the main reason is the water quality because uh, we are getting our water from well uh, underground around 100 meters deep water is perfect basically it's coming from mount fiji and also of course mount fiji as a symbolic for japan it's also marketing value there welcome to ras talk the podcast on recirculating aquaculture systems and sustainable food production Brought to you by Rastech Magazine, the premier publication for recirculating aquaculture systems professionals. This episode is sponsored by OxyGuard International. Secure, grow, evolve. Improve your production with tailored and targeted technology. Hello, my name is Jean Coden, and I'm the editor of Hatchery International and Rastech Magazine. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Vinci, the director of the Freshwater Institute. Hey, Brian, we're here again. Hey, Jean. Yep. Uh, and I'm excited for another episode of Raz Talk and uh, the topic of this um, episode, getting an update on the Proximar uh, project in Japan. Yeah. And I wanted to thank you on record for recording a little bit later than we usually do. We have a big time difference with our guests. So um as Brian mentioned before, we're talking with Dharma Rajaswaran. He is the Chief Operations Officer at Proximar Seafood. So Proximar is a new RAS project that is being built in Japan in a small town at the foot of Mount Fuji, but it is less than two hours to the major market that is Tokyo. Brian, what was the most intriguing part of this project for you? I think what was most intriguing for me was what attracted Dharma to Proximar Um uh, he has a long history in salmon farming uh, in Norway, uh, working for a variety of traditional salmon farmers, um, Movi and others, and also a history working uh, with Atlantic Sapphire in the United States. So I thought, you know, what attracted him to the project is very intriguing. And also why Proximar decided to locate where they did and what were the attributes uh, that the, ge the resources and the geography that brought them uh, to where they are. So that, that I think was the most intriguing. Yeah. Can you believe his view from the window of Mount Fuji that he shared with us? Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to our listeners hearing our interview. So let's get started. Please enjoy the RAS Talk podcast with Dharma Rajaswaran. Welcome to RAS Talk, Dharma. Um, we appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. The first thing I learned about you is your extensive experience in salmon, salmon farming. You've worked with many companies and lived in several places like Villa Arctic and Moi in Norway and Atlantic Sapphire in the United States. Um, what attracted you to Proximar Seafood and Japan? You know, uh, first uh, I heard about the project, uh, got introduced to Proxima project. I was kind of interested to know a little bit more because uh, I never heard about the technology provider before uh, because basically I came from Norway to US. We always used uh, other kind of uh, RAS suppliers, if I can say that. Uh, Colness, uh, Aqua Group, uh, Billion, uh, but never uh, even heard about Aquamoff. So I was keen to know a little bit about the project. And uh, I went to uh, Paul, where they have a farm. So it was amazing, basically, uh, interesting trip. And then um, 
I talked to uh, the CEO because uh, he he was a person who started this project for work with this for seven years, I think. Uh, Joachim Nielsen, he explained me that he used a lot of time to choose the technology provider and and also the country he wanted to produce the cement. That was interesting. And then uh, uh, the project was in Japan. Uh, basically, it's one of the biggest market for cement, athletic cement. So, yeah, that is the reason I joined Proxima. People and uh, marketplace and technology. Yeah, that's amazing. Before we started our interview, uh, Dharma shared with us his view of Mount Fuji out his window, which is amazing. <laughs> uh, yeah. How long have you been in Japan now? Almost, yeah, one year. Okay. What can you tell us about the RAS industry in Japan and what the appetite is for this technology in that market? I don't really know so much about other fish farms, but I heard there is, uh, other, you know, RAS farms for other spaces than Atlantic Summer. But uh, we are the first uh, in the commercial scale. Uh, to build a RAS uh, farm in um, Japan. I got introduced to some of uh, trout farmers, uh, basically in, in my, my area, but it is very small farms. Uh, and also they are using, they are, they are kind of uh, build their farm by their, themselves. They didn't use any uh, other suppliers. So okay, they, so this, uh, this project in particular is a large scale that, that that Japan hasn't seen yet. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think that is uh, yeah correct. At least for the Atlantic salmon. Mm, okay. And did did you did I understand correctly that it was Aquamouth, the builders of the project, that you first kind of came into contact in terms of uh, getting yeah. to know this project? Yes, Aquamouth. Yeah. Okay. And when you met the CEO. It was the CEO of Proximar that you were talking about, right? Right. From your conversations with him, what was it about this project that that really struck you or that really stood out to you? Yeah, because, uh, you know, Japan is uh, from my old time uh, back in Norway. Uh, we produce uh, that time a lot of trout for them. Uh, and I know the culture. And I remember I, I was been here one time before. To visit the fish market, and uh, and um, you know this is a seafood nation, so I thought it is a good opportunity for me to uh, come to Japan and you know uh, do farming. Amazing, and you already mentioned that you've been there for a year now with Proxima Seafood, right? Yes. What has that first year been like? First year, yes, there's a lot of things, uh, uh, you know, uh, first got introduced to the construction uh, people and company, uh, which is uh, mind-blowing, basically. Uh, I never seen, you know, because I have been involved in both in Norway and uh, in US, a uh, lot of construction, uh, and here how they structure and uh, how the discipline, uh, you know, and hardworking. Uh, it is amazing and uh, you cannot even imagine if you see our site it's a construction site yet still uh, but it's super clean all you know it's, it's, it's basically the culture 
and then uh, I, I am yeah my my year is kind of recruiting people and uh, as you know we introduce our first eggs in October end of October uh, so so I am doing uh, it's a lot of work uh, I'm luckily have uh, good people manage to recruit to right people to the right positions. That sounds great, Dharma. This is Brian, and, and I want to welcome you to the podcast as well. You mentioned that RAS in Japan is uh, you know, relatively small scale and, and uh, probably not in, in any Atlantic salmon uh, production uh, yet. Um, I think uh, my understanding of the RAS in Japan agrees with that. There's a company called FRD uh, Japan, and they have a uh, recirculating aquaculture demonstration project, and, and uh, they're essentially zero exchange using advanced technologies and uh, raising rainbow trout as their uh, primary species. And then, of course, um, as we were talking before the podcast, there's the Hayashi Trout Farm, uh, one of the largest trout farms in Japan, if not the largest, and they um, have spent uh, the last maybe five years, I think, building uh, RAS uh, for their um, trout production needs uh, there in Japan. And I don't think they're, um, they're large and their technology provider is uh, no fit tech, as I understand it, but I don't think they're anywhere near the scale of, of what you have planned at Proximar. Um, you mentioned the technology provider was Aquamoth already um, and that the CEO, Joachim, um, had been working for quite a while um, but do you know how he selected the technology provider for the work? So he, he basically he visited a lot of RAS facilities and study, you know, which one is working uh, perfectly. So he visited uh, many times to Poland and get uh, numbers, uh, results. And um, yeah, I think that's why he chose uh, if I don't say something wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, as you well, as you know, and you've mentioned from your experience uh, running salmon farms in, in Norway and, and working on the Sapphire project, there there are quite a few providers, but they're mainly um, European-based, uh, Norway, as you said, uh, Kruger Kalnes and Billund in Denmark. So um, it, it's interesting that uh, you guys selected Aquamoff for the project what are the plans for the annual production capacity of the facility? I guess there's reports in the news of the final capacity, but is there going to be a kind of a staged approach or, or is it all being built out at once? All will be built out at once, but we are, the steady stage uh, is going to be 5,300 tons hog. That is our plan, but it's not before then 2027. I think. Okay. Yeah. So we are kind of uh, starting a little bit uh, careful, slowly, and then increasing to the max yeah. capacity. Got you. So 5,300, that's a significant uh, facility. Um, but to me, it sounds like a, a very reasonable size uh, to start at. You know, there's among uh, folks I talk about this with, the question I get from project proponents is, you know, how big... Uh, should these projects be or, or how big should I start? And of course, I would like to say, well, you should 
be farming fish for a long time first, like yourself, Dharma, before you do something like this. But um, 5,300, it does sound like a reasonable number. It's, it's not, um, it's not so large that uh, it would seem unmanageable. Um, I, I don't know if you can say, but how much has, is the facility expected to cost in capital? Yeah, it is basically a fixed uh, contract. If I can remember correct, I can say in NOC is like uh, close to 1 billion. Okay, so a billion NOC is, and if we just divide it by uh, 10, um, it would be 100 million US dollars. Oh, that's that's a significant raise. I'm just talking about the production facility and the RAS itself. Have, we've talked with other project proponents about their RAS and how many cohorts of eggs or fish that they plan to produce and eggs that they plan to bring in. And, and most project proponents have said, um, you know, three to four egg deliveries per year. Um, mm. and, and most of those uh, eggs have been indicated to be coming from uh, benchmark Stofisker there in, in Iceland. Can you say how many, how many cohorts you guys are planning for um, in, in a given year? How many egg shipments you'll be bringing in and, and where the eggs are coming from? Uh, this is one of the key things uh, because our plan is basically going to introduce, you know, get eggs every month, mm -hmm. but a small batches like hundred and around 100,000 eggs. Is, mm -hmm. uh, uh, that is uh, for many reasons because uh, I want to have kind of risk. Uh, you know, we have three hatchery systems. So okay. We have plenty of space. So... So one month is basically four weeks, each four weeks, uh, eggs, yes. Okay. So you're actually getting, you're planning to get eggs in every month then? Yeah. And the egg supplier, can you say, if that's... Uh, uh, that's uh, benchmark, yes. Same. Oh, it's benchmark. Okay, gotcha. Um, you've already mentioned about the construction site uh, being so professional and so clean. And I've seen in the reports that you've already, uh, the news reports you've already started uh, incubating eggs. Um, how far out is the construction? Uh, are you guys past building the hatchery and now you're building smolt or are you building angro? Or can you say where you are in the construction? Yeah, the all over. So we are finished with ex con um, construction, civil works, 80% of the project mm -hmm. uh, compared to other farms. So we, we have two, two different buildings. Uh, one is uh, from egg, the small plant, as I like to call, mm -hmm. a fresh site uh, from egg to 100 grams. Uh -huh. It's basically uh, completed, uh, but we are commissioned uh, hatchery and first feeding now, uh, uh, already commissioned. Okay. And wow. uh, the nursery is ongoing with uh, basically this week uh, with fish pumps and uh, grade and all this stuff. And so the saltwater side, um, I assume you have a saltwater building now, if you have a freshwater building, it, and is that, has that construction besides civil works, has that started? Uh, yes, yes, it's uh, building uh, is almost completed. And now we are working with the uh, construction of tanks. So it's ongoing. Yeah. And then you know, uh, the biofilters and all these uh, other things going to happen in, yeah, relatively, soon yeah 
uh, but, but the, the, the construction uh, yeah is, is finished uh, uh, building wise and and biofilters and all this yes oh excellent so it sounds like you're making excellent progress that's great to hear do you know why you guys are where you are I mean what was what what part of of being you know outside of Mount Fuji there in that beautiful location uh, attracted uh, the uh, the company to the location the main reason is the water quality uh, because uh, we are getting our water from well uh, underground around 100 meters deep uh, water is perfect uh, basically it's coming from Mount Fiji uh, secondly the you know the uh, it's one, only one and a half hours from uh, Greater Tokyo, which is uh, 38 million population. So, so it's very quick access to market, uh, short uh, transport, and um, and also of course uh, Mount Fiji as a symbol, symbolic uh, like uh, for Japan. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's also marketing value there. I see. Is it a relatively um, rural area, or is it uh, is it a suburban area of another city, or, or can can you describe the location? It's uh, you can say it's an industrial area. Okay, I got it. Yep. around that area. Yes. One of the big milestones for the company that last year was when it secured a ten-year sales and distribution partnership with. Uh, Marubeni, which is a major distribution company in Japan. Is that right? Yes. Uh, Dharma, I was interested in how, what your thoughts were in how important this was in moving this project forward. Like how important is this partnership? Uh, We are lucky to get uh, this, uh, you know, 10 years contract with them. Uh, Marubeni Corporation is one of the oldest trading house and distribution uh, for seafood and also other things. So they have the channels and, uh, you know, uh, for Proximar, uh, yeah, we need not to build up our own uh, distribution and, and sales channels, you know. It is one of the big, uh, also important uh, milestone for us. What was really amazing to me was that te- that ten year partnership. It sounds like a huge vote of confidence to what you guys are doing over there. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about how important that partnership is to your own production targets? Is that something that you guys are thinking about at the very beginning or the, at, at the very early stage? And what you are looking to deliver in that partnership? Uh, yes, because, uh, you know, it's a long process. Uh, we had, I was involved uh, all the way. Uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, uh, their expectation and our, you know, ex- our expectation. So we discussed a lot and landed uh, what we can deliver and uh, what they can, you know, uh, support with. Uh, this is a, you know, a kind of, uh, we, we are thinking also we will get, uh, because they know the, the market, they know the, you know, the channels. So I think we, we will also get, I'm, I'm confident that we will get also a price premium because of this made in Japan and Mount Fiji and also Marubeni Corporation. So it's very important for us, uh, the collaboration here.
Do you know if you've locked in a price for your product with Marabeni? Uh, no, I don't, I don't know, basically, but uh, it's still uh, ongoing discussions. Yes. Dharma, I know this is a big question, but I'm always curious because my perspective is always from the outside looking in. And I always like to ask industry people like yourself who have years of experience in aquaculture. You've worked in traditional net pens, for example, and in processing and most recently in RAS. So from your experience, how has salmon farming changed over the years and how has that affected you know, your outlook for Proximart? I have uh, basically working with uh, land-based uh, RAS production uh, at least 10 years now. Uh, first in movie and then Atlantic Sapphire and now here in Proximar. Before that, I uh, worked 20, more than 20 years uh, you know, in traditional net form uh, in Norway, in ocean. Uh, so yes, uh, the industry changed a lot compared to 30 years. Uh, you know, for when I start uh, uh, in aquaculture, so the small production is kind of, uh, yeah, 50 gram is the highest, uh, you know, weight, uh, which is now no one doing that. So that time we are, you know, uh, struggling to get small to bigger than 50 grams because uh, we want to reduce um, uh, production time in uh, in sea. Uh, sea is always a risk. So now um, Norwegian industry, at least, they're moving away from uh, even 100 gram is a small fish now. Uh, they are producing like yeah, up to one kilo is uh, very normal. Uh, I think the average industry, uh, average weight is at around 250 gram in Norway, I think. So only different is uh, they are not producing the whole production cycle on land, but uh, at least they produce up to one kilo. So they have a lot of experience uh, in Norway, a higher weight uh, post-malt projects, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, the ROS systems. So that is one of the thing. And, and also industry change, like uh, before is like one, uh, family or one or two owners on one license, two license. When I start, uh, the farm was uh, one license and one owner on the farm. And we had uh, one small plant and uh, uh, and one uh, sea location. And now it's um, more professional companies like Mobi, um, you know, Sarmark, uh, like uh, it's everything professionalized. I always like to hear stories like that because it gives me a little bit of more perspective. And Brian is also, I'm really lucky because Brian also really shares his, you know, knowledge and experience about this stuff too. And really learning about how salmon farming has changed, even in just a, uh, like you said, in, in your experience, a short 10 years, the, the amount of drastic change that can take place in the industry is super fascinating. I haven't been salmon farming for 30 years like <laughs> And, and I, I haven't worked for the largest salmon farmers in the world like Movi, like like Dharma has. So, you know, the farmer's perspective is is, uh, is so important. And, and you know, Dharma uh, comments that the post-malt ras in Norway is, um, you know, one of the big trends that he's he's seen. 
I wonder, Dharma, what your thoughts are with the recent proposed increase in tax in Norway, um, how you think that will affect, you don't necessarily have to comment on production in Norway, but projects around the world like Proximars, do you see that projects like Proximar and Atlantic Sapphire and and other land-based grow-out projects um, will be the beneficiaries of Norway um, proposing such a large increase in the tax of salmon farming companies. Yeah, definitely, it will be beneficiary for uh, you know the because uh, then uh, you can produce the fish uh, uh, in the market space. You know, uh, <clears throat> I, I think it's going to be. Uh, it will take a little bit of time, but I think um, more and more farmers are looking into move on, on do, land. Do you think? Do you think this uh, this tax will actually move some of the largest salmon farming companies um, like Movi and Grieg and Cermak? Do you think it'll actually move them towards um, continuing on from post smelt to grow out in Norway? Uh, difficult to say, but uh, at least some of them will do. I I, I think. Because there's no tax on on production on land. Yeah, and I know that you know there's that slight hold or moratorium on land-based permits until they get the regulatory framework figured out. I think that's actually a good move uh, by Norway to to um, have good logic and rationale behind their their permitting regulations for land-based. I did want to ask you. Um, I know that you are with Atlantic Sapphire, um, and I know we've had them on the podcast uh, relatively recently and they Johan had a real <clears throat> had um indicated that you know it was, it was a tough year uh last year at sapphire and they they faced challenges uh meeting production targets for you know variety of reasons when you were at sapphire uh did you gain any lessons um from the challenges there that you're able to uh bring to proximar and and uh, and mitigate those challenges uh, but uh, you know, uh, I'm so lucky to join Sapphire already in the first. Uh, yeah, I, I think I am the one of the first employee uh, mm. in Sapphire. Uh, yeah, the, in general, so it was uh, amazing. You know, a lot of lessons learned uh, all the way from construction, and but the most important, I think, uh, that I can bring to Proxima is the the grow outside. Uh, because no one, no other company, uh, kind of commercial scale, uh, did what we did in Sapphire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was there for first egg, and I was there for at least two batch harvesting, uh, mm-hmm. beautiful five kilos fish. Uh, so it is uh, even more convincing uh, that this is the way to go. Mm-hmm. I'm more confident that many. Many other farms are going to produce a lot of uh, big fish on on uh, with RAS technology, uh, and this is also uh, on market space. I think uh, because uh, I am always uh, thinking that production should uh, close to the market. Uh, then you need not to fly or fright. So yeah. proximer proximer's first. Um... Uh, harvest is uh, targeted for what 2024 is that correct that's correct yes yeah and and so you already have those that group of fish there and and uh, are they growing uh, well to hit that hit that target date do you think 
Uh, yeah, we are still in the start feeding uh, or first feeding. I don't know what how do you call, but uh, start. But yeah, we are, yeah, we are we are still in the start feeding in the first batch, and uh, the second batch is uh, actually hatching now. Uh, so third batch we are expecting uh, around next week. That's exciting. Um, That's great to hear that you guys are on track and construction is. Uh, coming to a close with most of your civil works done and, and uh, the buildings um, already constructed. Um, I wish you guys all the success there at Proximar and we want to thank you for speaking with us and, and giving our listeners a chance to hear about the project in Japan and uh, hear about uh, your story and Proximar. So thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Dharma. Another great episode in the bank. What did you think, Brian? Yeah, great to hear from uh, folks with so much experience, uh, both in uh, traditional salmon farming and those who have made the tradition to rest like Dharma. Uh, Very exciting to hear about uh, their progress and the construction uh, moving along so well. You know, I I think he said uh, they have uh, two buildings essentially built and the civil works uh, approximately 80% done. And and I think uh, in, a, in a year or last year, we didn't see a whole lot of progress uh, from projects, um, but uh, Proximar was definitely moving forward. So I'm, I'm glad our listeners had a chance to hear uh, from them, uh, their CEO and um, all the the details that he was able to share with us. I was very excited to hear some of those um, biological as well as RAS details that he shared. So it was a, it was a great episode. Yeah. And actually, Brian, I I have to thank you for sharing your own experience with, you know, Japan RAS and the connections you've made with other projects. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because Dharma in the episode really wasn't able to um, talk about the Japanese market that much. I'm not an expert on Japanese RAS or or even aquaculture by any means, but um, I am familiar with uh, two groups in Japan who have been using RAS for a good bit. Um, the first one is the Hayashi Trout Farm. Um, this is a family uh, uh, fish farm. I think it's uh, over 100 years old now. They have farms uh, around Japan, um, geographically distributed, and uh, they were negatively affected by the disaster at the Fukushima nuclear power plant. They had farms in the area Oh. And they had to um, abandon those facilities, as I understand it. And then upon the rebuilding the capacity that they abandoned, they decided to use uh, RAS. And, and so um, uh, my contact there is Soichiro Hayashi. I think he's now the, the company head. He took over for his father a few years ago. And, and they uh, connected with a technology provider from Norway, and they've built out, I think, at least two RAS facilities for growing rainbow trout for their market and their um, fee fishing operations. So I know that they um, they have something of scale, uh, uh, but I don't think it's as large as what Proximar is planned. And then the other RAS that I'm aware of in Japan is from a company called FRD Japan. They're a, a subsidiary of a large water treatment company in Japan. And they have actually been doing um, uh, zero exchange RAS for uh, rainbow trout uh, on a demonstration scale. I can't remember if it's 20 tons or 40 tons or or something like that, but I think it's less than 100 tons per year. Uh, But they've been successfully um, employing denitrification and closing the loop and having uh, essentially uh, zero exchange type RAS as as much as you can. 
and I had the chance to work with their operations lead uh, when we were working on the Global Aquaculture Alliance standard for uh, for RAS, which will be coming out soon anyways. So, you know, um, Dharma mentioned that uh, Proximar is probably the first salmon wrasse in Japan um, of scale, and I, I absolutely think that's correct, but there are a few other projects that are notable, um, Hayashi Trout Farm and FRD for sure. Yeah, there's in the past year at least there seems to be some quite a bit of interest in Japan as a as an expansion for the RAS industry. So Proximar is one of those ones to watch. So yeah, I'm absolutely. glad we were able to sit down with him. And you know their market, um, and Dharma mentions that the market in Japan is quite strong for salmon, but it's quite mm-hmm. strong for seafood in general, especially um, sushi and sashimi grade uh, fish. And we hope to talk with uh, Sarah Rademacher later this year at um, American Unagi in Maine. She has a RAS facility for uh, eel, raising uh, caught elvers up to size. And then I think the primary market for American Unagi is also Japan. So uh, so that Japanese market does have, does have an impact. And uh, RAS facilities have been uh, supplying that um, recently. Yeah, lots to look forward to. Yep. As always, we have show notes with links to articles, photos, and other extras from this episode on our website, rastechmagazine.com slash podcast. You can head over there. It's R-A-S-T-E-C-H magazine.com slash podcast. If you want to support us, please consider sharing this episode with your network and on social media. You can also follow us on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a new episode. Of course, we want to thank our sponsor, OxyGuard International. Secure, grow, evolve. Improve your production with tailored and targeted technology. Thanks for listening. See you next time.